Hello, and welcome to the Major League Nutrition Podcast with a new Operation Nutrition segment. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Nicole Chenard. As you know, I'm a registered dietitian in private practice, working on teaching listeners the truth about nutrition, sport, and science. And in order to keep this podcast free, all I ask is that you share your favorite episodes, like and subscribe to the show, and leave a review if something discussed on the show inspires you. In this episode, I will be debunking one of the most frequently ignored known causes and solutions to symptoms of depression. That being said, I'm a registered and licensed dietitian, but I'm not your dietitian, so always seek health advice from professionals who can assess your individualized medical history, environment, budget, capabilities, etc. On upcoming episodes, we will be exploring and discussing how to find legitimate health information online, how to determine your protein needs as an endurance athlete, what's going on at the White House on September 28th in regards to the first conference on nutrition, health, food, and physical activity in five decades, and how the funding sources of our United States medical schools affect all of us, our health, our decision-making, our finances, and our care. The hottest topics that will be addressed on this show will be questions that myself, my colleagues, interns, and assistants have been asked as nutrition experts. Because guess what? The internet has any answer you want it to have, but that doesn't mean it's accurate. On this show, we separate fact from fad and offer you the knowledge you need to not only perform well, but live well. So you can use the information you hear on this show as soon as you need it. If you're listening to this show, you're probably an athlete of some kind, or you need to be physically and cognitively elite for your job, or you were and you're struggling to get back into a routine. I work with elite athletes who, because of the pandemic-related shifts in routine, have been suffering immensely in the physical performance realm, but also mentally. I want you to know that this is a completely normal survival response that our brain is dealing with due to these changes in routine and this constant level of underlying stress we've all been dealing with due to the pandemic. What are the reasons for the increase in anxiety and depression? Stress caused by the social isolation, constraints on people's ability to work, seek support from loved ones and engage in their communities, churches, childcare, running groups, exercise classes, or any other form of social connection, which is the most important determinant of health. On top of this, we can include loneliness, fear of infection or of infecting a loved one, suffering and death for oneself or for a loved one or both, grief after experiencing one's own illness or the illness or death of someone they cared about, and enormous financial worries, These factors have all been cited as stressors leading to anxiety and depression. The World Health Organization also cited that for health workers, exhaustion has been a major trigger for suicidal thinking. When you take away a human's basic needs, this is what you get. It always seems impossible until it's done. One of my favorite quotes, spoken by Nelson Mandela, 
and listed at the beginning of chapter two of Dr. Jennifer Heiss's book, Move the Body, Heal the Mind. Dr. Heiss is the director of NeuroFit Lab at McMaster University, Ontario, Canada. What is anxiety? You've heard me discuss how to calm your nervous system by speaking to the amygdala in the brain in a previous episode, which will be linked in the show notes. Dr. Heiss explains in more depth what anxiety is, why we have it, and what to do about it when it's interfering with our everyday life in move the body, heal the mind. Sometimes it's a protective response and it's appropriate. Sometimes it's not. Picture yourself at your car or someone else's car with the hood propped up. There's steam, sparks flying, and it's running hot. What would a mechanic diagnose as the issue? Typically, it's a lack of fluid, oil, something got stuck, preventing the fan from working properly. What does the car need? If you're the car and you keep driving this sparky, steaming, anxious vehicle without stopping, assessing, and treating, you're going to explode. When we think of anxiety, the word fear should pop up. People have been known to fear obviously dangerous things like animals that can bite or sting us, but the scary thing is that our brains can learn or be conditioned to fear anything. Eating in public places, flying in a plane, eating in front of other people, falling, spiders, bunnies, speaking to other people, leaving the house, going to the gym, disappointing someone, swimming in the ocean. Fear conditioning is related to neurons, wiring, and speed. Think of someone you know who has PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. It could be yourself. Now think of when you first use the internet, dial up, patiently waiting to connect and taking your time. Think of your lightning fast internet on your phone today. The wiring of the neurons in someone who has PTSD is like the lightning fast wiring of your phone's internet today. The person who hasn't experienced the neuronal rewiring of PTSD will have stress responses more similar to the dial-up internet most of the time. Something I did not know until I read Move the Body, Heal the Mind is that not everyone who goes through a traumatic event will develop PTSD. And not everyone who has fears will be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. And it has to do with something called neuropeptide Y. Getting back to the book, there is an example of two men, Nick and Paul, whose brains were compared. Nick and Paul were together in the same combat missions. But because Nick's brain had more neuropeptide Y, Nick was more protected from the trauma that both he and Paul experienced at the same time. Nick did not develop PTSD from his trauma, but Paul did. How do you increase neuropeptide Y? I have good news for you. The answer is exercise. Research has shown that exercise increases neuropeptide Y. With consistent training at low intensity, Doing something like rowing, cycling, running, or resistance exercises at half your max load, it is possible to increase neuropeptide Y immediately after the workout 
and for at least 30 minutes post-workout. The study that was just referenced may not translate to everyone, but Dr. Heiss recommends that about 30 minutes of light to moderate intensity exercise three times a week is enough to soothe your anxious mind. She's also concluded in her lab that the most anxious of us benefit the most from exercise. This includes those who suffer from anxiety all the time or from time to time. Yoga, Tai Chi, resistance exercise, and aerobic exercise have all been shown to alleviate anxiety. In the United States, outdated medical practices lead to problematic, preventable, over-prescribing practices that we all end up paying for one way or another. Why is it that when a patient has an unknown stomach pain, biological tests are done to determine the cause, which would determine the course of action, but when a patient who is feeling down, unmotivated, or off, describes these symptoms to their doctor, not a single biological test is run? Instead, a prescription is given for an antidepressant drug, and no further testing or evaluation is needed? Does a depressed mood automatically translate to a need for medication? No. In many cases, antidepressants can cause more harm than good. Why? One terrible, well-known side effect of these drugs is suicidal thoughts. And the worst is suicide. The FDA has issued a black box warning, the highest warning, to call attention to this serious, life-threatening risk especially to those under the age of 25. Another reason is that depending on the type of depression, masking it would not allow the person experiencing it to come up with a new plan for their life in some cases. For example, famous actor, athlete Dwayne Johnson, aka The Rock, has gone public about how he used his depression after career rejection to hide in his parents' basement for about six weeks until he came up with a better plan for his life. The last point emphasized is that antidepressants don't work for about one in three people. 85 million people who take their antidepressants as prescribed get no relief. Why? Antidepressants only treat the specific biological dysfunction of low serotonin. Dr. Heiss states, outdated medical practices assume that Low serotonin causes all mood disturbances. This is not true, but as of right now, no further testing is done to prove otherwise. If the problem isn't low serotonin, what is it? It's likely inflammation. Immune cells called cytokines cause an influx of inflammation when they sense a threat. Every part of the body can become inflamed, including the brain. Inflammation is not a problem, unless it lasts too long. What causes it, other than infections and physical injuries? Dealing with a stressor at work, school, or at home. Facing discrimination. Avoiding conflict with someone you love or care about. Supporting a friend or family member who is experiencing a stressful event, or any other event that is stressful, including delays in medical care or payment. Well, now that you have a lot of background on the problems we're facing and why they're happening, I'd like to give you some solutions. 
Research has shown that physical activity is the most effective at and absolutely necessary for improving symptoms of depression, anxiety, stress, and also drug withdrawal. Antidepressant drugs, aka selective serotonin uptake inhibitors or SSRIs, will never solve the symptoms alone. That's important. Since the year 2000, the medical community has known that at least one third of those who are prescribed antidepressant drugs for symptoms of depression will not respond to them. And that is because the problem is not serotonin related, it's inflammation related. There are screening tests that can be ordered for inflammatory markers in the blood and they're not being ordered. Dietitians like myself are qualified and available to help you understand what an anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle would be for you. Do you know what causes and prevents inflammation in your life? And have you been outside and moved your body today? Research has shown that even just one hour of moderate physical activity per week helps decrease symptoms of depression. And moderate activity means you're breathing heavier than you normally do, but you would still be able to have a conversation. If this seems like too much, I highly recommend getting a fitness tracker. Fitness trackers like Fitbit, Aura Ring, Garmin, Apple Watches, they can really help athletes and non-athletes alike understand how much physical activity you're really getting, how much sleep you're getting, and how much recovery you're experiencing in order to feel good the next day, and how to process that information with tips that are really helpful. I do it myself and I recommend it to everyone. Just a few more takeaway tips to get you back in action and feeling powerful again. One, remind yourself this setback is normal and necessary for survival and it won't last forever. Two, make an exercise plan for the coming week and put it in your calendar and also write it down on pen and paper. Three, make the plan very simple and easy to accomplish. Something like walk to the end of the driveway and back. Seriously, you're going to think it's ridiculous for your level of athleticism, but that's how our brains work. We need simple first. Four, tell someone about your plan. Five, schedule time at the end of the week to go over your progress. Six, tell the person you chose for number four about your progress and discuss what went well and what needs problem solving. Seven, based on number six, make your plan for the following week. Eight, repeat. Head over to MajorLeagueNutrition.com, book a session with me, and I will help you figure this all out. Thank you very much.